sharing. Um, yeah, really exciting. And um, I, I wish that we have more opportunity here, but hopefully um, there, will, there will be some people after burger time who are going to go out with Clara. I think your house church, is that right, is going to go out with Clara. Um, if you have questions, um, would, I think Clara would love to, to, to take some questions and to answer anything. Um, I know this probably sparked a lot of, of, of interest and, uh, and yeah, questions about what life in Jordan or how, how we can engage in relationship with, with Muslims and uh, things like that. So please do um, talk with Clara. Um, she'll be here with us today, and then she's got some family stuff throughout the rest of the week. So, um, But for the rest who cannot see her, please do continue to keep her in uh, your prayers as well. Okay. Let's pray as we <clears throat> continue here. Father, we thank you so much for, uh, for Clara and the great work that you're doing. Thank you for um, the brightness that she exuberates and that she exudes not only that she exudes not only in Jordan but here with us to encourage us to be ourselves. Jesus, you said you uh, to your followers, you said you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so let us shine. Help us to be willing to do for Christ, for you, what the Muslims do for a God who is impersonal. Father, we pray that you would challenge us and motivate us, remind us that in history you lived and died, Jesus, and that you rose again, you rose to life. We have nothing to be afraid of, nothing to be ashamed of. So help us to live and help us to shine. Would you be with me now as I share your word, my gracious master, my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad through your church, the honors of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, there's a few other folks who um, are going to come up here and share later today, so I'm, gonna, uh, I'm not going to be long. I know some of y'all wait about 15, 20 minutes, and then you start falling asleep or you start walking out to go to the bathroom. Uh, here's your warning. If you do that today, by the time you come back, and be done. By the time you wake up, it's going to be over, and you're going to feel really bad. So stay with me. 20 minutes in and out. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. God's Word. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I know uh, for those of you who are astute and who have been with us for a while, I preached on this passage a couple years back. Uh, It won't be the same message, um, but same passage. Passage is about glory. It's about the glory of God. The Bible tells us that the glory of God is everywhere. It tells us that one day all the, the prophets, many of them said, one day the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In Jordan, in Iraq, in Syria, in North Korea, in China, in Japan, in the United States, God's glory is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Abraham Kuyper said there's not a square inch in all of creation over which Jesus Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. One day the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And the Bible tells us that his glory is everywhere. Where do we see the glory of God? Uh, David Crowder, a great musician, wrote a book a few years back called Praise Habit. And the subtitle was Seeing God in Sunsets and Sushi. It says this is where we see the glory of God. When we see creation, we look at a sunset and we say, wow, that is glorious. And we see the glory of God screaming through nature we see it when we go to 
uh, your favorite sushi place, Gochi, Amura, wherever it is, and you see this beautiful <laughs> piece of salmon. And as you put it in your mouth, it melts in your mouth, and you're like, this is glorious. There must be a God. We see God. We see the glory of God in the pleasures of our lives, in sunsets and sushi and all around. But Ephesians tells us that all that is true, but there are two main arenas, two main avenues in which we see the glory of God just screaming out at us in all of its glory. To him was able to do all these great things. He says, to him be glory, verse 21, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And it causes him to, he's so excited. He says, amen, that's true. He says, I'm all in. Get in on this Ephesian church because this is true. The first is simple. The glory of God seen in Christ. Colossians 1.15, you know this. It says he is the image of the invisible God. And Colossians 4 goes on to say, Colossians 2 goes on to say that Jesus Christ, firstborn over all creation, the image of the God that we don't see is seen in Christ. We see the glory of God in the face of Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's why when Jesus was born, they said you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We see the glory of God in Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus says in John 14, 9, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the manifestation of the glory of God, we see that in Christ. That's easy. The second one is not so simple. The second thing he says, you see the glory of God when you look at the church. This might be surprising for some of y'all who have had a bad experience growing up with church. You were picked on as a kid. You were bullied as a kid, and it happened at church. You might think, well, the glory of God in church, not for me. Or if you've had uh, people gossip about you in church. Or if you went to church and you just felt like you felt judged, felt made fun of, people looked at you differently when you were worshiping Jesus versus when you were backsliding. You said that the church, the glory of God can't be seen in the church. The word of God is telling us that the primary arena in which the glory of God is demonstrated is the church when the church is doing its work and it's doing what it was called to do. When we are who we say we are, when we shine the light of Christ, then the main avenue in which the glory of God is displayed is not only in Jesus Christ, but it is in the church, in the witness of the church in the world. Therein we see the power, the glory, the beauty of God in a way that nothing else in this world could demonstrate. I know that um, there's been a recent phenomenon uh, about this idea called the celebrity pastor, where because of the, uh, the, the explosion of like blogs and podcasts and conferences and all these pastors being splattered everywhere, books, this, this idea has arisen that um, these pastors become celebrities, right? Which is the antithesis of what the Bible says uh, leadership ought to be. And as no fault, I don't think it's any fault to the, to the people, to the pastors, it's people who elevate them to a status that they're not, right? The golden calf idea where they take these created things and begin to worship them. But it's this idea where you've got these pastors who are doing great work or these, these Christian authors who are doing great things, and because of the work that they're doing, people begin to follow their churches, right? It's just, that's why well, you, you think of folks like Tim Keller, think of folks like Francis Chan or, or, or David Platt who've done these great things, and again, this is no fault to them, but because of the way that people view them and have elevated them into this, like, this, this other stratosphere right under the Godhead, people begin to hear about their churches. And so we, we see and we learn about the church through the works of these individuals, which is not, it's not a bad thing again. But that's just kind of something that's happening. There are other places, other churches in which the church is known because of their work, the work of the church in their community and in the world. Again, this is a great thing to be known for, for the witness of the church. And people look at your church and they see the great things they're doing. That's why 
uh, churches like Harvest Bible Chapel out here and all around, uh, all around the states. Churches like Willow Creek in Chicago. All kinds of churches that are known for the great things that they're doing. And as a result, people begin to, to hear about the church. He's saying here, these things are good, but there's, there's something that's even better. Something that's even better is for a church to be known, not because of an individual, not because of the work of the church, but the church be known because of the work of God that can only be attributed to the work of God in that church. He's saying in that moment, you understand that to him, God, who's able to do far more exceedingly abundantly greater than anything that you could even dream or think or ask or even imagine, says God's able to do even more than that, says to him be glory in the church. That's why Francis Chan left his church. In Simi Valley. He said, it's a problem when I am more popular at my church than Jesus is. And if glory belongs to him, he says, I'm out of here. I'm going to go to a place where people don't know who I am. People don't care. And so for, for some time afterwards, one of, uh, one of uh, his friends was telling a group of us, <coughs> he said, I was asking Francis, what have you been doing these days after you, you left your church? He said, I'm just knocking on doors of people in the inner city and just telling them about Jesus. That's awesome because he wanted the glory of God to be the only glory that's captured by the church. And when they look at a church, they don't see any people. They don't see anything, but they see the glory of God at work. There's nothing. This is what <coughs> this is what Paul is saying. There's nothing like the church. If you want to see the manifestation of the glory, the beauty, the power, the work, the wonder, the worth of God, you look at Christ and then you look at his church. And I get pumped up. I get psyched when I talk, when I think about the church. There's a quote that I always uh, go back to when I think about the, the beauty and the power of the church. It's when I'm, when I want to get excited or when I feel like, uh, there's, when I feel, uh, I feel depressed or hopeless about the church. I go back to this quote. Bill Hybels writes this in, in Courageous Leadership. It says, the local church is the hope of the world. There's nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addictions, frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. And get this, this, this is the ending. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. Still to this day, the potential of the local church is almost more than I can grasp. No other organization on earth is like it. Nothing even comes close. This is the church. The beauty of the bride of Christ. There's nothing like it in the world. I've been thinking a lot. I don't know why. Maybe it's in, in light of this, but I can't recall in the past three weeks how many conversations I've had. And this is completely unsolicited conversations. Some of that ha- have happened over email. Some of them have happened over text. Some of them at a Panera or at a Starbucks in, in Winter Garden Village. Some in a classroom here at church. Some in the parking lot. But people t- just constantly talking about the power and the beauty and the glory and the work that, of transformation that's happened through not just the church, but our church. 
And, I, and I've just been like humbled and, and just amazed by it. And I think there's direct correlations to the prayer life of a church and the work of God demonstrating the glory of God in church. But just countless times people talking about uh, addictions being broken, about uh, their, their past being forgiven in a deep awareness and they're no, no longer living in the guilt and, and, and in the uh, running away from their past. The sense of, of purpose and meaning, the sense of community, the sense of healing that's been brought up. When I think even now and I, I, I dream about the church, I, I think about it, I look at it and I, I see all of these testimonies of lives that have been changed by church. I think of uh, folks like Lynette and Thomas and, and Shino Kim. I think of folks like Seho Hong and, and Kenny Ko. All these people have been transformed by the church and, and, and just streaming in the doors of the kingdom through the church and, and how their lives have been completely changed. There's nothing like the church in the world. No other organization can do what the church does. No other organization can do what the church does because this is the prescribed means of God to show the glory of God in the church, in the world. It is Christ and the body of Christ to make an invisible God known. It's the church. There's nothing like this in the world. There's nothing like it. And as Heibel says, nothing even comes close. I know some of y'all are saying, you know what? I'm one of these people that hasn't been changed. I'm a life that's broken. I'm a life that's jacked up. And that's why he says, look, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that stuff. So I, I haven't even started. I haven't even scratched the surface. You talk about five people, 10 people, 20, 30 people whose lives have been changed. I'm only getting started. And, and he's saying, church, don't get complacent. Don't feel like you're doing all right. And we've got to take more. As long as, it, as long as hell is still in business, we continue to be in business. That's our mission. Jesus says, Matthew 18, the gates of hell will not prevail. Or we're in business to put hell out of business. That's it. That's why we exist. We're not, look at how we're doing compared to that church. Look at how we're doing compared to that. And that's not about that. It's about the gates of hell are trying to prevail. Jesus promised that it wouldn't. And so we fight and we labor. That's why this day is so important. Membership Sunday, where we have people coming up, talking about how their lives have been changed and saying, I'm part of this church. I'm part of what God is doing. I'm going to give. I'm going to come. I'm going to worship. I'm going to pray. I'm going to serve until the glory of God continues to be revealed until, I, until God calls me home or takes me away from this place somewhere else. But I'm in it to win it for the kingdom of God. And he says, I'm just getting started. And as much suffering and brokenness as there is in in our church. That's saying, I'm not done yet. Right? That's why we're still here. That's why we're here. That's why we gather for the purpose of scattering. We get together in order that we get go forth and bring hope and to bring healing to the nations, but also to the people that are in our community, in our midst. The church in Jesus Christ cannot be separated. This is why Ephesians 3 is telling us what the rest of Scripture has constantly said. Right? The church and Christ, the church in Christ, not separated. That's why we see in, in Scripture, they ask Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He doesn't just say, love God. He says, love God. That's the first, but here's the second one. No one asked for the second, but he says, I'm going to tell it to you anyways. It's love people as much as you'll love yourself because you can't say, you can't separate loving God from loving the people of God. That's why Jesus says, whatever you do, the least of my brothers, you didn't just do for the least of my brothers, you did it unto me. That's why 1 John chapter 4 says, this is, you know, you want to talk about love. You can't love God who you haven't seen if you don't love your people, your brother, who you have seen. That's why Jesus says, when you come to worship, you got something against somebody else in here, you better deal with that before you come and worship me. Because if you got something wrong with them, then you got something wrong with me. Right? 
why Jesus is saying constantly, Saul, Saul, you're persecuting the church, but he says, why do you persecute me? Listen, you cannot love Jesus and not love the church. That's it. There's no two ways about it. You can't be committed to Jesus and not be committed to his church. You can't love Jesus and just have your church be the local TV preacher who comes on TBN or whatever channel you watch. Because you cannot love Jesus and not love the church. Here's how much, how much does Jesus love in every, in every marriage. And one of the things that make a wedding official is that they're vows. And I love the vows that husbands and wives give to one another because these are the vows that Christ gives to his church and the church gives to the Christ, to Christ. In sickness or in health, I will love you. For better or for worse, I will continue to be loyal. In times of plenty or in times of want. And even when we are unfaithful as the bride of Christ, Jesus says, to this I will be faithful. I will love you till my dying day. And so Jesus Christ gave his life in order that we might be the bride that he called us to be. And as we sing so many times and as we talk about from here all the time, so now, in light of that, let now your church shine as the bride that he saw in his heart when he offered up his life. He didn't die for a weak, anemic, powerless, worldly country club of people who are okay being okay. He died so that we might be radical, which is really what he considers normal. He died so that we might be faithful. He died so that the world might see that there's nothing like the church, nothing like the church. There's no power in hell that can shake. There's no beauty in this world that can compare. There's nothing in this life that can compare with the beauty of the church when the church is working right. Let's pray together. Let's pray for just a quick moment. Say, Lord God, your glory revealed in the church. Help me to take one step closer in my commitment to you through the church, through our church now, as I offer up my heart in prayer. Right? So let's just take 30 seconds to pray, and then we're going to continue with membership time and hearing testimonies and stuff. But let's just pray for half a minute right now, just in, in earnest prayer. Lord, what are you challenging me to do in order to love my church a little bit more than I do right now? Let's pray together for half a minute, and then, um, and then uh, we'll continue in our worship. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have not abandoned, forgotten your church. But we are one of the two main arenas where the glory of God is to be revealed and to be seen and to be demonstrated. Help us not to take that beautiful, glorious calling lightly, but help us to be your church to love until they ask why, to love sacrificially because you've loved us first, to be not only worshipers, to be witnesses, to be helpers, 
to be a community that heals and helps and sacrifices one for another in order that a watching, hurting, love-sick world might see a love beyond reason through your church, living out the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today... uh